your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 233 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. That intro song you are hearing is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. And today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you will get 20% off of your next order. And today, it's Monday morning. I was kind of hoping there would be an update on Ryan Strom and or Brandon Lemieux. They have their arbitration hearings scheduled for this Thursday and Friday. Unfortunately, there isn't really any update on the topic. So instead, we're going to do something a little bit different here today. We're going to debut something of a new segment, something that I think could become a recurring segment. It's going to be called This Week in Rangers History. So we're premiering it today. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We can kind of just jump from year to year to year, talk about uh, anything from a memorable game that season to a record-setting performance to a trade or a draft pick, whatever it might be, should be a good time here. Like I said, it's something that I think has some staying power, something that I think we can go to uh, time and time again here on this podcast, especially in the offseason. You know, it is starting to get to some of the slower months of the NHL calendar. So going to go ahead and uh, start this episode with this week in Rangers history. We're also going to get into some of the Rangers under the radar moves from this offseason. There were a couple of minor league free agent pickups that the team has made. Uh, we're also going to be looking at a few fantasy hockey articles from NHL.com, specifically as it pertains to the New York Rangers. I'll explain when we get there. You know, I know that a lot of people who have been listening to this podcast are excited to join the Locked on New York Rangers Fantasy Hockey League. You guys can still do that if you have not already. Just definitely get in touch with me uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, but first, like I said, this week in New York Rangers history. So we're going to start with actually this specific day in New York Ranger history, where you go back to November 2nd of 2002, Mark Messier is in his second stint with the New York Rangers, and on this day in 2002, he played his 1,616th NHL game to move into second place on the all-time list. This was also his second-to-last NHL season, and he went on to skate in a total of 1,756 career NHL games, Good for the second most of all time. That does not include playoff games. Messier had another 236 playoff games on top of his 1,756 career regular season games. But at the time, on November 2nd, 2002, Messier moved into a tie with Larry Murphy for the second most hockey games played of all time. Uh, since then, however, Murphy's actually dropped from number two to number 11. You've got Yaramir Yager, obviously a former Ranger. He's now number three with 1,733 games played. I would imagine he's done. I don't think we're going to see Yaramir Yager back in the NHL, but I suppose he's been counted out before. You can never say never uh, when it comes to Yaramir Yager. But what's also really crazy about this to me is that Patrick Marlowe is now up to number five all-time in games played, and he recently re-signed with the Sharks, so he's going to be back for at least one more season. I don't know that the NHL is going to play a full 82 games this upcoming season. In fact, I would probably bet against it if I really had to uh, you know, take a guess one way or the other. But Patrick Marlowe has played in 1,700 23 NHL games. So he is just 44 games behind Gordie Howe for most 
NHL games played of all time. He's got a chance to break that record this upcoming season. And Messier, when he retired, just 11 games short of Gordie Howe's all-time record. So pretty crazy. Uh, Mark Messier, as it stands right now, number two overall in NHL history and games played, although he could drop to number three, uh, pending what happens with Patrick Marlowe in this upcoming season. Also this week in Rangers history, we got to go back to 1987, November 3rd. Marcel Dion became just the second player in NHL history at the time to register 1,700 career points, scoring a goal for the Rangers in a 5-3 loss at Calgary. You don't really hear enough about Marcel Dion. I think a lot of people have kind of slept on him over the years. People don't realize what a great player he was. I think part of the reason that we as Ranger fans don't hear a whole lot about him is he was only with the Rangers for the last three years of his NHL career, was obviously not the same player, still a decent player, but not the same player he was uh, at the height of his career. His final NHL season came in 1988-1989. He spent the first four seasons of his NHL career with the Detroit Red Wings. He went on to then play for the Los Angeles Kings for 11 and a half years, was traded to the Rangers during the 1986-1987 season, and like I said, played the last two and a half years of his NHL career in New York, but 1,348 career NHL games, 731 goals, 1,040 assists, so a total of 1,771 points in 1,348 career regular season games. In 49 additional playoff games, scored an additional 21 goals, dished out an additional 24 assists, but he actually was recognized by the NHL about three years ago. Uh, The NHL, in honor of its 100th season, ranked the top 100 greatest players of all time. There's enough controversy with that list that I think we could probably do a whole separate episode on it somewhere down the line in the future. Uh, there were a lot of debates, you know, it's it's inevitable. You're ranking the top 100 players in the history of a sport. How could you include this player but not include this player? Or why is this player in the top 20 and that player isn't? You're always going to have controversy such as that. But bottom line, uh, Dion was number 38 on this list. Uh, He was actually the highest-ranked player to never win a Stanley Cup. That is the one big thing that's missing from his resume. Uh, Never really had tremendous success in the playoffs. Never even made it to the Stanley Cup Finals, as a matter of fact. But again, 731 goals in his career. That was second to only Gordie Howe when he retired. He is 69 years old and currently resides in Niagara Falls, Ontario, and owns Marcel Dion Enterprises. So... Just a fantastic career. Somebody that we don't hear about enough as Ranger fans, but again, I think a big reason for that is just the fact that he only played the final two and a half seasons of his career with the New York Rangers, but definitely just an underrated player overall as well. Got one more for you here. We're going to go back to November 9th of 1984. The Rangers and Islanders combined for 88 shots in a single game, uh, which was a record for the most shots ever in a New York Islander game. The Islanders had 45 shots on net. The Rangers had 43, but... That's just the cliff notes. We are only scratching the surface here. That record was kind of what uh, made me look into this game a little bit further and what a game this was. Some of you might even remember it. It's that crazy of a game. So it's early in the season, obviously. The Islanders took a 4-0 lead on goals by Mike Bossy, Pat Flatley, Anders Kalor, and John Tonelli. And then with about seven minutes left in the second period, the Rangers get a goal from George McPhee. That was part of a three-point night for McPhee, and in fact, McPhee picked up the Gordie Howe hat trick in this game because he also got into a fight in the first period with Dave Langevin, and there was also a second fight later in this game between Tomas Sandstrom of the Rangers and John Tonelli of the New York Islanders, and in fact, John Tonelli also picked up the Gordie Howe hat trick. So, all kinds of crazy things happening in this game, pair of Gordie Howe hat tricks to boot but the Rangers still trail the Islanders 
four to one going into the third period. Then in the third period, the Rangers really got it going. They get goals from Mike Rogers at 3:29, Barry Beck at 9:23. Don Maloney at 15.50 to tie the game at four. The game goes into overtime, and just 57 seconds into the overtime period, Rejo Rustalainen scores for the Rangers to give them just a crazy 5-4 win at Madison Square Garden. Like I said, it was early in the season. The Rangers at the time improved their record to 7-4-1, while the Islanders dropped to 7-7. Seven and, seven. and the other part of this that's just hilarious to me, the, other than the fact that the Rangers you know, came from four goals behind to beat the New York Islanders, their bitter rivals, is... This is before overtime losses were worth a point in the standings. I think, you know, with modern NHL, we're so wired to think like, oh, they lost in overtime, they got a point out of it at least. No, not back then. A loss was a loss, and you didn't get anything for it. Didn't matter if you lost 10 to nothing in regulation or 3 to 2 in overtime or whatever it might have been. A loss was a loss worth exactly zero points in the standings. And back then, it was five minutes of five on five overtime. And if no one scored, the game simply ended in a tie. Each team received one point. But instead, Roostalainen scores for the Rangers, gets them two points, completes the just epic comeback against the New York Islanders. And like I mentioned, there might be people listening to this who actually remember this game. It is definitely before my time. It's before I was born, in fact. But I would bet that there's someone listening who might specifically remember this game. And look, I know it was a long time ago. I know it was just a regular season game in November, but I think it's a memorable enough game that some Ranger fans might remember it. Some Islander fans might remember it too, for that matter. You know, it's a rivalry game. The Rangers rally from a 4-0 deficit to send the game into overtime, and they complete the comeback in the overtime period. I got to believe there's somebody who at least remembers that a little bit. If anyone does remember this game, definitely reach out to me with any memories you might have of it. For all I know, maybe some of you guys were at the game. Maybe some of you were in the garden that night and just saw a fantastic hockey game. What looked like it was going to be a terrible hockey game, and it ends up just being a fantastic win for the New York Rangers. John Van Beesbrook was the goalie for the Rangers. Uh, they did not take him out of this game despite the rough start. He ends up stopping 41 of 45 shots to claim the overtime win. As for the Islanders, they had Roland Melanson between the pipes. He allows five goals on 43 shots. So just an absolutely wild game and uh, just an epic win for the New York Rangers. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein and energy bar that I have ever had. It's kind of hard to explain. You just have to experience it for yourself. It's got real chocolate, amazing flavors, and unlike a lot of other protein bars, energy bars, you don't need a gallon of water to get rid of that weird, funky aftertaste that sometimes comes with the other bars. It's just good, and it actually kind of tastes quite a bit like a candy bar. It has an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There are no crazy additives, and if you compare it to the most popular men's bar, Cliff, it is half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it be that good and taste that good? I don't know. You just got to try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off of your first box at BuiltBar.com. Once again, use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box at www.BuiltBar.com. All right, so like I talked about in the intro, the Rangers have made a couple of relatively minor free agent signings since free agency began, some guys that they brought in from some other teams. These are not obviously household names. These are not the kind of moves that are going to make or break a franchise or anything like that, but I figure we might as well talk about these guys a little bit. It's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle over the past couple of weeks just because we had some big things to talk about. Henrik Lundqvist obviously uh, being bought up by the Rangers and signing with the Washington Capitals. Jesper Foss moving on in free agency to the Carolina Hurricanes. Mark Stahl being traded to the Detroit Red Wings in what was essentially a salary dump. The contract 
controversial Rangers signing of Jack Johnson. We had the NHL draft. We had free agency from uh, around the NHL, just a lot of other moves happening, some guys leaving the Rangers and signing elsewhere. But I think at this point, it's definitely time to talk a little bit about some of these players. Uh, again, they kind of flew under the radar, minor league level type players, but let's at least get to know them a little bit here together. Uh, first of all, you got 27-year-old right winger Anthony Greco. The Rangers signed him from the San Jose Sharks on a two-year, $1.475 million deal. That's an average annual value of $737,500 a year. He was undrafted after playing college hockey at Ohio State from 2012 to 2016. He then signed with the Florida Panthers in November of 2017. He played what is thus far his only NHL game with the Panthers during the 2018-2019 season. He was then traded to the Lightning. He was then traded to the Sharks this past February, along with a 2020 first-round pick in exchange for Barclay Goudreau and a third-round pick. He's obviously spent the vast majority of his career in the AHL, and he has played 271 career AHL games, has a total of 86 goals and 76 assists, so 162 points in 271 career AHL games. Basically, it's a long way of saying that the Rangers probably just look at Greco as organizational depth. He's 27 years old. I don't think the Rangers signed him with the idea that he's this diamond in the rough and he's going to be a top six forward and all that kind of stuff. He's just there basically to step onto the Rangers if somebody else gets hurt or somebody else is not playing well. He's somebody who could theoretically at least, uh, maybe crack the Ranger roster at some point during the next season. But like I said, he's 27 years old. He still played only one NHL game. So the odds of him, you know, developing into a guy who really sticks on an NHL roster, be it the Rangers or anywhere else, pretty long at this point. And the fact that he got a two-year deal, it probably means that one of the reasons why the Rangers signed him is to make him available in the expansion draft going into next season when the Seattle Kraken will join the league. Another signing by the Rangers this offseason is 30-year-old defenseman Anthony Batetto. It's kind of the same deal here. Batetto gets an identical contract to Greco. Two years, $1.475 million, an average annual value of $737,500 per year. He comes over to the Rangers from the Winnipeg Jets. He was a six-round pick by the Nashville Predators back in 2010, made his NHL debut with the Predators in 2014-2015. He has skated in 183 career NHL games with the Predators, Wild, and Jets. So that's one area where he differs a little bit from Greco. He has considerably more NHL experience, although just 183 career NHL games uh, since being drafted in 2013. It's obviously not that many. But last season with the Wild, did not score any goals, but had a career-high eight assists in 51 games. That was actually a career-high last season for Batetto with the Winnipeg Jets. Again, just a depth piece. I don't think the Rangers have any crazy long-term plans here with Patetto, but he's another player who could definitely be floated out there by the Rangers when the expansion draft happens going into uh, the 2021-2022 season. And finally, you got one more signing for the Rangers. Johnny Brodzinski, a 27-year-old center whom the Rangers bring in from the San Jose Sharks. He gets a one-year deal worth $700,000. The Kings drafted Brodzinski in the fifth round of the 2013 NHL draft. He went number 148 overall. He made his NHL debut in 2016-2017 with the Kings, and since then he's kind of bounced between the NHL and the AHL. Uh, for his career, he's skated in 57 NHL games with the Kings and Sharks and has six goals and six assists in those 57 games. This past season was actually his first in San Jose, uh, but he skated in just three games with the Sharks, picking up one assist in those three games. In 44 AHL games last season, however, he had 14 goals and 16 assists. So Decent production in the AHL, and uh, just like with the other guys we've talked about here, 
I don't see Johnny Brodzinski making this Ranger opening night roster, but for a depth signing, it's fine. I do like the fact that he's at least produced in the AHL throughout his career. 200 games total, 70 goals, 68 assists for a total of 138 points in those 200 AHL games. Like I said, he's a long shot to make the Rangers opening night roster, but you never know what can happen with injuries or somebody just not performing up to standards. And he's someone who should carve out a role for himself at the Wolfpack at the very least. So we'll see what happens there with Johnny Brodzinski. I would imagine he'll probably start the season with the Hartford Wolfpack. The Rangers also uh, re-signed a couple of minor leaguers as well. They are Darren Radish and Gabrielle Fontaine. But we will get to them in a future episode. I definitely want to get to uh, some of these NHL.com articles that I singled out during the intro here. Uh, a couple of them are fantasy-related. Some of them are not. We'll get to that in just a second as well. We'll get to the fantasy hockey articles in just a second here, as promised. But first, I want to call a little bit of attention to this article on NHL.com that ranks the top 20 defensemen in the league right now. And you'll notice that there are no Rangers on this list. And I'm just going to go through the list extremely fast here. Just going to run right through it. Number 20 is Morgan Riley, 19 Ryan Ellis, 18 Eric Carlson, 17 Jacob Slavin, 16 Shea Weber, 15 Drew Doughty, 14 Shea Theodore, 13 Brent Burns, 12 Zach Wierenski, 11, Quinn Hughes, 10, Miro Heiskanen, 9, Charlie McAvoy, 8, Chris Letang, 7, Dougie Hamilton, 6, Kale McCarr, 5, Seth Jones, 4, Alex Angelo, 3, John Carlson, number 2, Roman Yossi, and number 1, Victor Hedman. I mean, I'm not going to tear this list apart. There's obviously a lot of great defensemen on here, but I do find it interesting that you get no Tony D'Angelo and no Adam Fox. And I can see why maybe these guys wouldn't be included with D'Angelo. He obviously put up fantastic offensive numbers this past season, but I suppose uh, you could argue that sometimes his defense does leave a little bit to be desired. Hence, that's the reason why he didn't make it onto this top 20 list. And with Adam Fox, he does have just this last season under his belt with the Rangers. This was his rookie season. But by that same token, you know, there's other guys on this list who were rookies this past season. You got Kale McCarr on here and also Quinn Hughes. Now, I don't know. I mean, we could debate all day if Fox is on their level. Maybe he's a little bit behind them. But, you know, with McCarr being ranked number six, Quinn Hughes number 11, I think Adam Fox should have probably squeezed onto this list at some point. And again, I'm not going to go through the list and be like, oh, how's this guy here? How's that guy there? I'm not going to single anybody out or anything like that. But bottom line, if Adam Fox, I know he didn't make this list. In reality, though, I got to believe he's darn close to being a top 20 NHL defenseman if he's not already. And if he's not, then I think if you do this list again at the end of next season, Adam Fox definitely going to work his way onto the top 20 list. And I don't even really think it'll be that close. I don't think he'll be like 18, 19, 20. I think at this point next season, if they do a similar list like this on NHL.com, you can see Adam Fox probably somewhere around 8, 10, 12, something like that. So we'll see what happens there. As for Tony D'Angelo, you know, the case can definitely be made that he should be on this list as well. And unfortunately, I think just the fact that his defense uh, occasionally leaves something to be desired, that's probably why he missed out as well. But we could see D'Angelo and Fox easily on this list at this time next season. A couple other articles on NHL.com that I found interesting, however, they did top 10 fantasy breakout candidates, and they put Adam Fox on that list. And this is what they had to say about Adam Fox, New York Ranger defenseman, Ranked third among rookies at his position in points per game at .60, behind Kale McCarr, 0.88, and Quinn Hughes, 0.78, and fifth among rookie skaters in the category. Fox was on an 82-game pace for 49 points, despite not playing on the first unit of New York's power play, which ranked seventh in the NHL at 22.9%. If Fox wins the power play one spot from Tony D'Angelo and gains exposure to elite forwards, Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, and potentially rookie left wing Alexi Lafreniere, Fox could shatter his point and power play point totals and finish among the top 15 to 20 fantasy defensemen. 
And of course, Adam Fox had only 13 points on the power play last season. So even if he doesn't get the top power play spot, I would still imagine that's going to go up. He's just going to continue to get better and better. Uh, I love Adam Fox as a fantasy breakout candidate next season. I know a lot of you guys have already uh, reached out to me about joining the Locked On New York Rangers Fantasy League. I'm sure Adam Fox is going to be a coveted player in that league. That's the one tricky thing. We're all Ranger fans, so everybody's going to be targeting the Rangers uh, fast and furious in this draft. you got to kind of balance being a fan with being a fantasy hockey team owner, but we'll see how that all shakes out. The other thing I found interesting, NHL.com also did a top 10 sleepers article, and Alex Georgiev did not make the top 10, but he was listed as an honorable mention, which was interesting to me. There was no write-up in the article about Alex Georgiev just because, uh, you know, he was not in the top 10. He was just listed there at the end. But I can kind of see where they're coming from, the idea being that, you know, maybe Alex Georgiev, Igor Shesterkin, it could be closer to a 50-50 split than a lot of people are anticipating. I guess there's even an outside chance that Alex Georgiev could end up with more games started next season than Igor Shesterkin. I would definitely not bank on that, but it probably gets to a point where it's late in the draft, the last couple of rounds, and it's like, well, might as well roll the dice with Alex Georgiev. He's got an improving team around him, and he's somebody who could be ticketed for more games than some of us might think this season. So I get the idea there, uh, listing Alex Georgiev as a sleeper for fantasy hockey next season. And then there was also an article of deep sleepers, and it was the top 10 deep sleepers, and the first name listed on this article was actually Capo Caco because NHL.com currently ranks him number 200 in the league as far as fantasy hockey is concerned. And you hear that and you realize right away as a Ranger fan that is way too low, especially because we're all privy to the information of, you know, the Ranger line combinations and everything like that. And we all know that Capo Caco is going to probably be moving up the lineup this season, going to settle into a top six role, especially with Jesper Foss no longer there. I don't see any way possible that Capo Caco does not spend the majority of next season as a top six forward for the Rangers. Who else are they going to go with? I mean, you've got Pavel Buchnevich on the top line with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider, but beyond that, I mean, who's going to be the second line right winger if it's not going to be Capo Caco? So I get the feeling you'll see Caco out there with Artemi Panarin and whoever the second line center is going to end up being for the Rangers. Hopefully it's Ryan Strom. We'll see what happens there. That's a whole other story. But the bottom line, yeah, I would definitely agree with this article that Capo Caco definitely being undervalued, ranked just number 200. This is what they had to say about Capo Caco. The New York Rangers right wing had a disappointing rookie season. The number two pick in the 2019 NHL draft scored 23 points, 10 goals, 13 assists in 66 games and was a minus 26 in mostly a bottom six role. But Caco could reach his potential within the Rangers' potent offense, 3.33 goals per game, fifth in the NHL last season. On either the first line was center Mika Zibanejad, who led the NHL in goals per game, 41 and 57 games, or the second unit with left winger Artemi Panarin, NHL career high, 95 points in 69 games. Kako could also bring exposure to Zibanejad and Panarin on the first power play and is worth selecting in the final round of a standard draft or adding off the waiver wire. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with this 100%. Capo Caco should not be in a situation where he's going undrafted. And I get the feeling uh, this Lockdown New York Ranger fantasy draft that is forthcoming. Don't worry, I haven't set a date or anything like that. It, it probably won't be happening until at least December. But bottom line, yeah, Capo Caco, he's not going to go undrafted in our league. I can personally vouch for that. Not to give away my strategy or anything. But one last piece of news that I wanted to share with you guys here is the fact that all Locked On NHL podcasts are going to three days per week uh, beginning this week. That's only temporary once next season starts, and probably even in the weeks leading up to next season. We'll be back to five days a week like usual, but right now it's just kind of uh, the slower portion of the NHL calendar, shall we say. And, and since the NHL is in the offseason, we'll be doing just three days a week here on Locked On New York Rangers, but that doesn't mean we're slowing down. We still got a lot to talk about. Still want to do the Lundqvist 21, where we take a look at all the 21 goalies that were drafted ahead of Henrik Lundqvist in the 2000 NHL draft. 
Got some other things to get into later this week as well. Going to line up some guests for you guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. And like I've been mentioning throughout this episode, we do have the upcoming Locked On New York Rangers Fantasy Hockey League. If you would like to join that league, please send me an email at LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com or DM me on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.